Hello, and welcome to the Voices of Latinx podcast. My name is Myra. Hola, my name is Mariana. Hola, I'm Hector. Hola, I'm Sandra. Today, we will be disseminating the first theme of our multi-series podcast. Myra, do you want to go ahead and start with the first theme, what it is? Yeah, so our first theme is social connectedness and social isolation on family dynamics. Yeah, so we're going to start off with parenting approaches first. Right, so within the Linux culture, um, parents tend to be strict compared to other demographic groups, um, which leads to parents to create a stressful environment for their children or even sometimes limiting their kids when it comes to socializing with friends and even dating. In addition to that, we have a quote given from Sebastian, who was a youth from Spartanburg, and he tells us, My parents were always strict. In middle school, I kind of just went to school and just went straight home. I had really strict parents, so I didn't really have time to do anything else. And in high school, it was the same until around sophomore year because I was able to drive and I started working. Then after work, I would go to a friend's house. That was pretty much it. So let's talk about that quote. Um, I feel like a lot of parents really limit their child, and for that reason, I mean, I kind of relate to Diego in the sense that I really never went to any sleepovers or anything when I was a kid. Yeah, I remember being like eight years old and all the little girls in my class would be like, oh yeah, I'm going to so-and-so sleepover. And I would just be like, ooh, I know not to ask my parents because it just wasn't a thing. They were, they were scared about my safety. I mean, they didn't, they didn't really know who like the other parents were. And if they didn't know English, then that was going to be another issue. So... I just stayed home too. I can relate to that a lot. Yeah, and on that note, I can definitely relate to you, Mariana, where um, the sleepover situation, I would try to ask my parents, and I remember um, I would just be begging them and crying and let me stay over at my friend's house, please, 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 and like they'd be like, no, 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 even if they're family friends or cousins, and if they had brothers, oh, heck no, you definitely couldn't do it. You can't, you couldn't sleep over. I think leading on into that at a very young age we all learned to just not ask at all to just like later on tell our friends oh you know i can't come i have something at home that i have to do um which also you know speaks to our maturity that we grew at a young age and we had to we had no choice Mm -hmm. to me it was kind of like a process like at first when that the concept of sleeping at someone else's houses was introduced to me i was like And, you know, I asked, you know, like, hey, mom, can I go here? And, you know, at first it was no, but then it moved on to asking me questions like, uh, you know, who does she live with or who does he live with? Um, Does he have brothers, sisters? Tell me more. Tell me, like, you know, all this personal information. Mm -hmm. And then they'll be like, nah, maybe next time. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, then you just grow with it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, Another example I would say is, like, even going – in high school like going out with your friends to the mall like my parents would tell me yeah you can go for a little bit but I want you back by seven before it gets dark and so there I think there's a lot of limitation um in regards to doing just anything small like hanging out with friends for sure and I think this directly relates with dating and another one of our interviewees Paula she said I think they wouldn't let me date, but I had some things on the side, you know, but they didn't officially let me date until I was 18. I graduated high school and they were just like, all right, you're getting ready to leave. And I suppose we should recognize it or whatever. 
did y'all have those similar experiences too? Totally. I mean, from the get-go, ever since, like, I started showing interest in boys in elementary school, they were like, no, no puedes, <laughs> nada de eso. You know, only school. Only school. And even in, in the college, I just was in that mindset of, like, no, no boys, no dating, just focus on one thing at a time. Yeah, yeah and, I, and I also feel like, um, or at least in my case, when I told my dad that I, you know, was going to college and got accepted, my uncle was also there, and he was like, oh, yeah, just wait until you find a boy, you're definitely going to drop out or something. And so it's like that expectation of like, oh, if she finds out or if she becomes or gets in a relationship, she's definitely not going to, you know, prioritize her education. And it's just seen so negatively um, in the Hispanic community. Yeah. In my case, my parents, like we didn't talk about boys at all. Not even now that I'm older. I mean, I can tell them something about a guy, but they'll j they just don't care to hear about it. So it was never like a relationship where I could be like, mom, there was this cute boy. It wasn't ever like that. It was more like, you just don't talk about boys and that's it. And I think, yeah, it kind of put a little bit of tension with with the, I guess the American culture and the Hispanic culture. Yo, yeah. I feel like this also directly touches gender roles just because like as a male, you know, um, my parents never like said, you know, don't date but it's funny because now that I have sisters they're like no 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 no. you know stay away from that mm -hmm. boy and you know you kind of see the discrimination right. in a sense okay. and the thing is parents don't notice it and I think that that's the problem yeah I think um sometimes in the Hispanic culture they'll they'll assume like oh she has a boyfriend she's gonna get pregnant mm -hmm. she's gonna drop out of school mm -hmm. she has so much for in her future and that just can't happen. So what they do to prevent all that is to prevent you from dating right. instead of having, like, a, I guess, like, a conversation about what healthy dating is. Right. Exactly. And I feel like, like you said, it's the pressure is on us because we're the ones that are going to get pregnant. And so growing up, they're like, you don't want to be like your cousin. Mm -hmm. Back in Mexico, que ya está parida, ya... <laughs> No tiene futuro, right? Mm -hmm. 15. And so, yeah. yeah. And back to what you were saying, Mariana, you you never spoke to your parents about boys or any type of relationship, which it hurts us in the end because now that we're older and we can develop these relationships, we don't even say anything to them about it because we're just used to not even talking about it. And I feel like that relates to perpetuating you know that systemic issue because now that you learn not to do these behaviors so when you can you choose not to because it just it, it just naturally flows and so now you try to be a little bit you know be a little bit more careful but it ends up being harder i would feel like right definitely agree mm -hmm. and, yeah and i mean that also brings up other issues of like um, conversations with your parents on sexual health and, and reproduction, but we'll be hitting on that subject a little bit later in the podcast, too. So I think uh, one of the next sub-themes that we kind of found was just these different perceptions of uh, financial stress, which were connected to expectations from the parents for the children, if that makes sense. Um, 
Right, so it's on perceptions of financial stress and the connection to parental expectations of children. Um, so the children of Latinx parents do not want to be a burden to their parents oftentimes and will obviously do whatever it takes to not place any more financial stress on the parents by getting a job and you know trying to support in whatever shape or form. In general, most parents have the expectation of their children staying in school and holding off marriage until they are stable in their careers, um, which obviously brings up these pressures like we were talking about to do well academically and to satisfy their parents. Yeah, so Valentina, a mother of three, even made a point of trying to instill these values in a member of our research team with whom she did not have a familial relationship. Stay in school, son. You are, you are already in college. Don't mess up. Always keep in mind their sacrifices for you. Don't get married. Getting yourself in trouble could bring you your future down. I remind my kids all the time. My son is trying to save up to go to community school, and I think my oldest daughter is smart enough to get into college. I specifically remember that conversation. That was me. I interviewed her. Um, I was, you know, helping her with a, a health service. Um, I work at this clinic, and as we were waiting for the doctor to arrive, you know, she asked me, um, are you married? And, you know, me being 20, I was like, um, no, <laughs> I'm not. And that's when she was like, yeah, like, don't get married. Um, and she went on to saying that quote. And, you know, I was just, wow, it's crazy. Because, you know, I'll, I get that a lot. They'll be like, yeah, no, no tengas hijos. Focus on yourself. Focus on school. And I feel like that also just keeps us in this loop, you know, almost like an endless loop. Like, okay, so we're not supposed to have a life outside of this social thing. But then that's very depressing in a way. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I think I I get that a lot too. Like family members, oh, ya tienes novio, and I'll just be like, no, and they'll be like, well, don't do it. Stay in school, graduate, you know, become a professional first, and then like family can always wait. So I think there's definitely like a negative, I guess, atmosphere around dating, family, kids, just because there's I think there's this assumption that once you have a kid your life is like ruined forever <laughs> yeah or there's just also that expectation of because i also have plenty of my tias my aunts asking me if i have a boyfriend or like they'll they'll ask oh are you are you talking to anybody it's like and they ask me pretty much every time they see me and it's like well gosh like i don't have to have a boyfriend i don't i don't you know need a man right now to support me like i want to be independent and if i don't have you know boyfriend or partner that I'm talking to it's fine it, it shouldn't be an expectation that older um, female generations you know have on you because um, it just builds that cycle too and I think a lot of a lot of it has to do with like the financials mm -hmm. um, they think that because most of us are uh, are we all second generation uh, children of immigrants I'm child I'm, I'm an immigrant okay I'm yeah I would consider myself 1.5. The only reason why I'm not DACA is just because my mom had me right before we moved back to Mexico City. And so, you know, coming back to the States, it was like, okay, we don't have any money. And I feel like they get into this mindset that we don't have money, we work for it. And so don't mess up. And because they didn't mess up, quote unquote, they they tried to distill out on us too like hey don't do this don't get married it's a lot it's very expensive a lot of money and i feel like that financial stress is what really carries on 
Yeah, um, and I also think it's because uh, because like my parents came here to the United States and they gave up their whole life in Mexico to come here and provide us for a future. And I think that's why it becomes like a negative thing. I don't think they mean it intentionally. I just think like they gave everything literally. So I think that is still kind of carried on to now. Like if you get pregnant, you're going to have to give that child everything. Right. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, and give up that financial stability. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And like I'd say in relation to that, one of the people that we interviewed, she says, um, and this is coming from Victoria, I don't want my parents to feel like I failed them. It's like an overwhelming pressure I have at times. I have to do this because I don't. Because if I don't, I'm going to fail them or I'm not going to be what they want me to be. Even though there are at times where I feel like I can't do it, I always have to do my best because I if I don't, I'm going to let them down. And like I can I feel like all of us can totally relate to that because especially for my parents they were always like you don't want to have my job. That's why you have to go to college. You have to make it to the next step. And even so, the financial stress comes in that we need good grades. Like we need to be at the top of our game at all times and so that even adds on to more stress you know growing up because all we care about is grades right and just because we don't want our parents to have to take out so many loans and be in even more debt to pay for our education that's a really good point and um to me specifically i remember early on in my childhood i once brought back a bad grade and what really got me was disappointment like my parents disappointment it's like if you're gonna keep doing this then these are the types of jobs you're gonna have and I remember that weekend my dad was like you're coming to work with me and he does landscaping and that was a, one of the hardest days of it's my the life worst. I mean I was young and doing that type of job I, I you know it's kind of like a physical expectation if that makes sense just because like they really wanted to instill that thought in me that if I didn't do this then this was gonna happen Right, yeah, I've I've also kind of put myself in the shoes of my parents of the work that they do. My dad also does landscaping, and then my mom does housekeeping. And I've I've helped my dad mow the lawn in like 90, 100 degree weather, and it's terrible. And they're out there eight hours a day. My mom's in the hotel running down the halls just trying to clean rooms, and I've helped her do that too. And it's just it's a lot of pressure that they place on you to become the best you know to choose the best profession to be a doctor to go into the medical field and they want you to you know be almost perfect and it's kind of almost impossible and like you have to go through it and if you do show any signs of failure it's like they give you such a bad scorn and you honestly don't want to disappoint them because you know how much they gave up for you from you know moving and being an immigrant um so and it's just you feel so bad Yeah, I think that's what gets me. I think it's the guilt Mm -hmm. because I I did more like I I didn't go with my parents to work or whatever, but I saw when they would come back after like eight, 12 hours, my dad would work third hour, third shift, and he would come back and be tired like the whole day, barely sleep. And then I would see them like just go to bed early and just not really like we wouldn't really do much together, but that kind of like that made me realize like I can't mess up like they're physically hurting and all I have to do is make good grades so if I can't do that then that's where the guilt comes into place 
one of the things that uh that I kind of that kind of does it for me too is just like they do these hard jobs and then when it comes to our just development you know I remember at first I wanted to be or when I was first exploring the option of going to college I didn't know what I was wanting to do and my mom you know would be like you need to be a doctor you need to be a lawyer you need to be in the medical field or in the law field government and if you're not in in those fields what are you doing and that's when I'm like wow like even limitations and expectations they're kind of kind of really mold the way in which you grow up. Especially the expectation of being like a lawyer or a doctor. Those are like the main two that you grow up always hearing that that's like your path that you need to take to be successful. And so it kind of makes you a little bit closed-minded um, mm-hmm. at first if you don't reach out to other people and like network and find other types of different jobs and other fields that you could do. And so, in a way, it kind of, like, creates a cycle to where you're just and living up to their expectations exactly. and exactly. not yours. Right. Exactly. And it's really all about the money. They have this very narrow, just closed mindset, mm-hmm. uh, almost, I don't want to be so harsh, but almost ignorant in the way in right. which they associate good money, big money with these jobs. Mm-hmm. When we know that, first of all, that's really not, you know, it's really not that important if you want to do what you like to do Mm -hmm. and second there are other jobs out there that you know pay well exactly yeah Yeah, I kind of wanted to add um about the the being a burden to your parents I remember us going to go get food and groceries and wanting like let's say something really small like an ice cream sandwich and my parents only had like $50 to spend on food for the week and you know they had to tell you no and I just remember like after that when we would go get groceries I would not ask for what I wanted and it still carries on today like if my friends ask me where do you want to go eat oh I don't care I don't I'm not picky I'm not picky just because I when I was little like I never really was able to voice what I wanted just because of the necessity of what we had to get all right, so our last sub-theme is going to be about parents' perception of lack of safe spaces within Spartanburg. Yeah, and um, both the youth and parents of Latinx uh, have the desire for more places that are wholesome and safe where one can socially interact and live with each other without being judged for being Latinx. So in um, one of our interviews, a different woman at this gathering mentioned bullying in schools. The facilitator asked what the adults do if they become aware of bullying. A couple of women said they would talk to people at the school, like the principal. One woman said that the schools are very responsive when children are young, but when they get older, the schools are not as responsive. She explained that her daughter, who is in high school, was taking some additional optional schooling, but the kids said things to insult her just to make her feel bad. And she explained that as a result, she and her husband decided not to keep sending her to the school at the, at that time. So, yeah. There's really, I would say, a big problem when it comes to feeling safe, especially in the U.S. in general. Um, right. When, like, my parents are immigrants, and so coming over, it's like a whole new different environment, 
whole new different workplace, whole new different social interactions. They don't speak English. No one that speaks English barely knows any Spanish. So I that's one thing I do admire from my parents. Like, they didn't go into shock. You know, they didn't, like, get mentally drained by it. Or not that they've shown me. Um, and, you know, this carries on to us. Like, in schools, like, I agree. My mom... Um, after I think kindergarten she stopped helping me with everything like she said son you're on your own like not only do I understand but I just don't feel like it is my place to make like academic decisions for you I'd say like adding on to the lack of safe spaces within school you have especially early on a lot of children that English is their second language and they're just now learning it and so like even going up to teachers or principals like they really cannot help because they can't comprehend and so when your parents come in they kind of use you as a translator Mm -hmm. and so things get disconnected and so the trust that was once there with like a school or a teacher it's no longer there and same with the students or the children now they feel like they can't tell their parents anything or they can't tell the school anything because things just never work out and yeah so on another note we actually all had the experience and the opportunity to take local transportation in the city just to experience what other community members may have experienced um in the community and when two young female members of our research team took spartanburg bus route three um, catching the bus on north church street by walford college one of them observed end quote A total of two times I hear cars honk, and I turn and look, and each time it is a male who glances in our direction. Yeah, kind of expanding on this um, whole uh, sub-theme of parents' perceptions of lack of safe spaces, um, it really, like, it hits home because I remember just all the time, anytime I wanted to go anywhere as simple as Dollar General, (laughs) my parents would always say we'll take your brother with you and it was always I think for a fear of me either being harassed which it did happen a couple times and um yeah just that fear of not being able to be to be protected and needing a male figure to be there for you to protect you in a way and even going to safe spaces within Spartanburg there there's certain parks where my mom wouldn't take us. Really? And that was just because maybe there wasn't enough Latino families Mm -hmm. there, or, you know, she had gotten bad looks from another parent for us just being there and speaking Spanish. And so that goes back to us just staying at home and not really having a place within Spartanburg to go to that we felt safe other than being around family or friends. Right. most definitely, um, even when we do have to go somewhere, let's say the DMV or Social Security Office, um, DSS, we go and maybe there's nobody that offers, um, you know, services in Spanish and we show up and we're the only Latinx individuals there and mm-hmm. we'll get these looks, you know, like we can feel their incriminations in a way. Yeah, definitely. And it's very uncomfortable. Yeah. Right, I can kind of relate to when I was younger, and um, I'm a lighter Hispanic person, 
and my father is a little bit darker. And I remember going into a gas station and just getting these looks from adults and other people and from females and kind of as if kind of worried on whether or not I was being, you know, kidnapped or if my dad was really my dad. And I would try to reassure them by like talking to him in Spanish and just holding his hand or something. And it's just kind of hard to, I don't know, I think feel comfortable when you have people kind of discriminating you and your your physical appearance. Yeah, and that's interesting that you say that because it seems like it's always us trying to make them feel comfortable. Because I remember being at Walmart once and we were checking out and my mom obviously doesn't speak English and we were speaking in Spanish because that's how we communicate. And this guy turns around and says, you're in America, speak English. Mm -hmm. And so like, after that happened, like, I was scared to speak Spanish around anyone other than other than Hispanics because I didn't want to be like I was like young so what do you say to that when someone says something so hateful to you Mm -hmm. it kind of makes you want to not speak Spanish and that's sad because that's like a that's like your identity as a Latinx individual like a form of oppression for being yourself yeah and it sucks because we fall right into it we're like oh now we need to validate our experiences and now we need to validate that we too are human and mm-hmm. we need to validate that we aren't threatened by you and that you are superior than us and that's why we speak more English now than we do Spanish. That's what I'm saying. It's always about making them feel more comfortable and kind of, you know, you feeling less of lesser than and I think it forces us as a community to make our own safe spaces. Yeah. And that even, it gets overlooked. Yeah. Right? If we're, like, going to an abandoned playground, you know, it's just children playing on equipment that's not suitable for us, whereas you have your white um, counterparts or other community mm-hmm. members that have all these nice parks. Mm-hmm. And, like, we'd love to go there, but that's just not a space where we're welcome so we're not even going to try right and then we fall in the systemic cycle where if you live in this neighborhood right and you're the only brown family there they look at you like oh dang they might be dangerous you know the dynamics start to shift and over time you know when you live in a predominantly minority or latinx community we're associated with gangs with drug dealings when we're really not we're just there to feel safe we want to create our safe space and then society turns us into criminals criminals. yeah right yeah and um based off of the report too there was one of the interviewees that i remember um talking to brianna um and she was talking about how her landlord would keep continuing raising the prices of the rent to the Hispanic community that lived there. And so you're experiencing these systemic racial um, prejudices from your landlords even, and it just makes it harder to even live literally under your own roof. Yeah. And this goes back to the workplace too, because I know from experience, I mean, my uncles, you know, some of them are not legal and they're working for, um, you know, contractors that are white males and it's not even that they're white males it's just that there's that race issue going on where they know that we can't do anything about any sort of exploitation Mm -hmm. so therefore you lower the minimum wage 
you start paying us under the table, which we kind of have to take because we don't want to get caught out of fear, but then we won't speak up out of fear. And so now we're just caught in this in this cycle. cycle. And, and, and then, you know, my uncles would would tell me, hey, can you talk to this guy? You know, they would hand me the phone, you know, they'd be like, diles que no me está pagando mucho, tell them that they're not paying me enough. And then, you know, some had the audacity to say, oh, I'll call ICE then. And mm -hmm. so you're like, okay, yeah, never mind. I will show up at work earlier tomorrow. Yeah. And and that's exactly what they want. That's true. It's like underpaid and overworked. I just wanted to add that. Yeah. But adding on to that, it's an abuse of power. Yeah. And in my family, like luckily my parents, have, they've had their papers and visas and now they're citizens. So I never had to worry about ICE or anything like that. But my uncle, um, the police department had something out for him and he wasn't legal. So every time, like this would be a monthly occurrence when he would go to work, he was um, a cook at a restaurant. The, this same cop would always stop him yeah. and charge him $700. Yeah. And if not, pa' fuera. He's, he's gonna call ICE or he's gonna like put him wow. in jail because he didn't have a license. Yeah. So he was like a cash pig basically for these same people holding positions of power. They're just abusing um, the Latino community. Yeah, so that concludes part one of social connectedness and social isolation with regards to family dynamics. Until next time, thank you for listening. Peace. Adios. Bye. Hasta luego.